We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT 527, Wednesday afternoon. Jimmy Rosari in for Sean Styers. It is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Just because Sean is gone does not mean that this man is gone. <laughs> Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Ready to talk some Notre Dame football. I can imagine, especially after, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, so you know. <laughs> yes, the, you've missed me. The, I understand. The, I the last couple of weeks have, been, <laughs> have just been like a treasure trove, quite honestly. Yes. Uh, so, oh, where where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, Brian Kelly said that he wants to spread things out as far as the offense goes because Michael Mayer and Kevin Austin account for fifty six percent of the targets, which defenses would probably key in on at some point. If you know if I'm a betting man here, and I think I am a little bit. So how do they do that? Well, I think the first thing is, is get the offensive line to play better. I mean, a lot of the things that they've wanted to do with Braden Lindsay, for example, I mean, if they had an offensive line that was just average on Saturday against Toledo, Braden Lindsay has a monster game. I mean, he was open down the field all game, but Jack Cohn just never had the time to let those routes develop. I think that's one thing. And I do think there's some schematic things they can do differently. I think you know, right now, a lot of the stuff they've been doing has been attacking the defense vertically, which is, you know, longer developing plays. I think there's some things they need to do to try to get the, the defensive backs chasing across the field, take advantage of the speed that you have with guys like Avery Davis and, and Braden Lindsey. I think that is something that they can do. There's some other things they can do screen game-wise with the receivers that could maybe get the those guys involved in the game and, and perhaps get that spread. Of all the things Brian Kelly said this week, that's the one thing that I was like, yeah, okay, that actually makes some sense. Like, that, that's going to be a smart thing to do, so... Uh, I, I think there's some schematic adjustments to, to, to change, but at the end of the day, none of that's going to matter if the offensive line doesn't play better and give the quarterbacks more time to throw. Yeah, I've, that's – and obviously Blake Fisher being hurt, that's obviously going to be a killer for them anyway as I keep hitting my ring on the counter. You know, but that's uh, – <laughs> but what does that say about, about where Jeff Quinn has developed this offensive line, that, that losing your true freshman left tackle yeah. and, and – you know, it is this killer thing for them. And you're not wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you. It's just, 
I think that says a lot about where they are. I mean, you know, I, I got into a discussion about, well, you know, they don't have a lot of highly ranked recruits. They have, like, a ton. I mean, Blake Fisher was a top 100 recruit. Andrew Kristoffic, top 200 recruit. I mean, Michael Carmody's a top 150 recruit who's a year older than Blake Fisher. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So uh, this is what happens when you don't develop your line, which is something the Rams did not do last year because they did not blow teams out. They did not do the things they needed to do to get those young linemen going. And and I just, you know, they didn't do enough this offseason to get those guys ready to go. So if you're saying, like, and you're, you're correct in what you're saying, Jim, but when you say that, I, I think that's also an indictment that, that, that they're in a situation where they're so heavily relying on a true freshman left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not exactly the most trained eye as far as analysis goes. <laughs> and and even I'm like, come on, this, this really? Yeah. Like you're going to be this bad because a true freshman got hurt? Right. Like well, where's where's your depth? You know, what, well, here's where's my, your recruits? All that. Exactly. Here's my thing too, Jim, is I would understand if the only problems were, hey, they were missing assignments and the timing of the line wasn't good, the communication wasn't good. I'd, I'd expect that because, number one, you you know, you know are replacing four starters. It is a sure. new-look offensive line. You didn't have Jarrett Patterson in the spring. You know, Blake Fisher did go down, who is your most talented offensive lineman. No matter how good the coaching is, he still was going to be your most physically talented offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But it's not that that concerns me as much. It's they're just physically getting whipped. And yeah. there's no experience excuse for that. Notre Dame has a sixth-year senior, a fifth-year senior, a senior who's a three-year starter, and a junior in their starting lineup. And so I just kind of laugh when Brian Kelly talks about the youth of the offensive line. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound like a very young group of players to me. No. Uh, the, but the fact that you're physically getting beat at the point of attack, that Toledo is out hitting you and out fighting you, the fact that Florida State is out hitting you and out fighting you, that's the bigger red flag for me than just simply, hey, you know, we're not on the same page, which is kind of what you expect from a new-look offensive line. By the way, week three, did you think we'd be talking this much about Toledo? Like, after no. the fact? No. I didn't think so I thought so we'd still be talking about the offensive line, but I didn't think we'd be talking about how per- Toledo almost beat Notre Dame. Yeah, I, that was, like, just inconceivable to me yeah. as I was watching that game. And then I was like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Toledo <laughs> can show up for games and is actually right. one of the better MAC teams. And, right. You know, Again, Notre Dame, the offensive line, like you said, just got whipped. Yeah. So. Yeah. And now we turn to the defense, which, as I mentioned before, has won its games by a combined six points, uh, which I don't think either one of us were was thinking was going to happen either, quite no. honestly. Uh, no. I, I didn't think Florida State would take them to overtime, and I didn't think the game last week was going to be as – as crazy as it was, and yet here is a defense that's still number five in the country in sacks and number six in tackles for loss in the country. So I'm like, how how does a how does a team that that's that high ranked in those two categories how how is it still just giving up this many points? It's well, part of it is on the offense. I mean, they gave up a pick six last week they had another True. fumble that gave them a short field and and you know that that's part of it but yeah I think there's a couple things going on here number one is big plays right they've given up four plays already this year of 60 or, or more yards that's a lot yeah uh if you take out those four just four plays Notre Dame has ran over 130 100, about, about 140 plays on defense so far in two games if you take out just four plays two plays from each game they're holding opponents to 256 yards per game 
And each uh, each of those four mistakes, each of those four big plays on every single one, I can point to at least two players that made a very common mistake that led to that big play. And the reason that I have a difference of opinion on, you know, with the defense compared to my offense, which is I'm kind of doom and gloom a little bit for the offense because of the line. The difference in the defense is it's not been a toughness problem. It's not been an effort problem. It's been an execution problem. You're in game two of your of your new coach's defense, and it is a more aggressive defense. And when you make a mistake in a more aggressive defense, you're going to give up big plays. They're all correctable things. And we did see the defense make corrections from from uh, quarter one or game one to game two. And, you know, one of the things I said before the Toledo game is this is going to be one of the five or six best offenses Notre Dame is going to face this year. Well, going into the fourth quarter, they'd only given up nine points of, on, on defense because, remember, the only touchdown that Toledo had was was a pick six. Well, then you get to the fourth quarter, and they kind of went away a little bit from what had got them there, that aggressiveness, and they gave up, you know, 13 points in the fourth quarter. Well, that's a lot what happened last week against Florida State. You know, you're, you're up 38-20, and you're on the verge of just bearing Florida State, and you kind of go away from what got you there, and yeah. you give up 18 points in the fourth quarter. If they clean up the fourth quarter stuff and eliminate the big plays – this defense is down to is, is going to be dominant, Jim, because you mentioned those tackle for loss and sack numbers. Mm-hmm. Right now, Notre Dame is on pace for 123 and a half tackles for loss and 65 sacks. Coming into this season, the highest number of t- tackles for loss by a defense under Brian Kelly was 92. The highest number of sacks by a Notre Dame defense was 34. Just to put the dominance they've had in those disruptive plays into, into kind of some context after two games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that, that that pays for 55 sacks. 55, you said, right? 65. 65 sacks. Yes, because they're averaging even, five a game. They well, haven't had more than five sacks in the first two games combined at any point. I went back and looked at this today. They haven't had more than five sacks in the first two games combined at all under Brian Kelly's tenure. They're averaging five right now. They're averaging five sacks a game, which if you counted out over the course of 13 games, mm-hmm. 65 sacks, which would have led the nation in every single season from this season to when Brian Kelly was hired. Now, they're not going to probably do that. It just shows how they are they are very disruptive. They just got to clean up some of those mistakes, and if they don't clean them up, then you're starting to hit that part of the schedule where teams can beat you. But if you do clean those things up, then I think this defense is on the verge of becoming very dominant, and that's what I wrote about today at irishbreakdown.com. Okay. irishbreakdown.com, by the way, for all of your Irish needs. Uh, how... You, 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 the 
defensive front. It's just living in the opponent's backfield. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just yeah. living. Just camped yes. out. Camped yes. out. They have. They, in fact, they've even poured a foundation and are installing plumbing. That's how. <laughs> that's how at home they are in the oppo- in the opposing backfield. Yes. But the run defense still getting just shredded. Well, in the in the opener, it did. Yeah. In the opener, it did. In this last game, I thought they actually handled themselves pretty well, with the exception of again that big play in the fourth quarter, where you know I, I I've heard some from different sources. They just they had the wrong call in, and uh, the corner came off the edge in a blitz, and then the defensive end also came off the edge in a blitz. So you had a missed assignment, and then yet another missed tackle in space, and so you get that sixty six run. A 66-yard run against Toledo, you, or oh, excuse me, a 67-yard run against Toledo. Well, other than that, Toledo, they finished the game with 132 yards rushing and yeah. 4.3 yards per carry. You take that one run away, they didn't really do much on the ground. Mm. Uh, and that was against a Toledo offense that has averaged over 200 yards per game rushing in three of the last four seasons and has and Brian Kobach is one of the best backs that Notre Dame is going to face. He's a kid with almost 3,000 yard, career yards rushing coming into the season. So... I actually think they stepped it up a little bit in game two. They just, again, it comes down to the big plays. I mean, you know, you, you had a lot of quarterback scrambles against Florida State. You've got to clean that stuff up, you know, and then after that, you gave up that 89-yard touchdown run. You know, take that away, and it's a little bit of a different number. There's a lot of work to do, but it really comes down to the big plays because you mentioned you shouldn't be giving up almost 200 rushing yards a game when you're also, like, fourth in the nation in tackles for loss right, per game. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, but it's, it really just comes up. down to discipline. Yeah. And the reason I'm not as down on the defense is because, look, you you look at something, Jim, and you say, okay, is that a correctable issue or not? And how, how difficult will it be to correct that? Mm-hmm. When you look in the opener, tackling was terrible in the opener against Florida State. Mm-hmm. It's a lot better against Toledo. You still had a couple big mistakes, but just the volume of missed tackles wasn't what it needed to be. So we did see growth from game one to game two against what I thought. As I and again, it's one thing to retroactively say, "Oh, gee, that's a great offense." We Vince and I in our shows talked about this beforehand that this is going to be one of the five or six best offenses that Notre Dame is going to face this year. Speaking of offense, Jack Cohn's done the job. Yeah, <laughs> like there, like if, if there's a silver lining to Notre Dame season thus far. It has been quarterback play, uh, mm-hmm. both from Jack Cohn and and Tyler Buckner. So, you know, how how do you get Buckner more involved? You know, even after last week, and like how how long do you see the good times rolling with Jack Cohn? Well, as long as he can stay upright, I think those right. will continue. <laughs> I mean, look, a couple things. I wrote an article, gosh, way back in I think March, I believe where I said Jack Cohn's presence is going to improve the Notre Dame vertical pass game mm-hmm. because you know he's a more willing shot taker. Well, we've definitely seen that so far in two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you, you can't complete balls down the field if you don't throw them, right? And that was right. always my big complaint <laughs> right. with Ian Book is you're definitely not going to complete them if you don't throw them. Uh, you know that, and he's got he understands. Hey, look, I got great weapons around me. I got to give them a chance to go make plays. And that's why I say if the offensive line can just give him enough time to get the ball out, the, the, he's going to continue to produce because. You know, it's it's he's what I like to call, and, I, and I've been saying this for a few months now. He's a he is a a point guard quarterback, and I, I like that phrase more than game manager because people when people think game manager, they think you know a guy can't play and he doesn't have any skill. Mm-hmm. Um, he he does, but he's not that big armed, uh, you know, can throw it seventy yards kind of guy. He is a I'm I'm going to make the read. I'm going to get the ball where it needs to go and let my playmakers do the work. And you know, as long as he can stay upright. 
I think he's going to continue to do that. And as long as they have clearly defined roles, I think Tyler Buckner can add a lot of value. Also something that, you know, Jim in the summer and shows we did together, we talked about this need for Mm -hmm. Tyler Buckner to have a role. He's just too good not to play. And it reminds me a lot. I hate to put this pressure on him, but it reminds me a lot of what we saw in 2006 with Florida where Chris Leak was the starter in mm-hmm. game one. He was the starter the entire year. When the game was on the line, he was the quarterback. But they still found a way to get Tim, T- Tim Tebow on the field and use his athleticism and running ability to, to be a part of that offense. And that's what I'm hoping we continue to see from Tyler Buckner. Uh, Jack Cohn, by the way, 69% of his thrones he's hit for over 600 yards, six touchdowns, two picks. Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty darn good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Uh, yeah. So... Like the big difference, of course, for Cone and and Buckner, uh, is just mobility, really. Mm-hmm. So, does Ty, you know, do they are they able to shield those those sorts of calls where you know, oh, Buckner's coming in, it's going to be a run play. You know, are they are they able to scramble that? You know, are have they been working on that? I actually thought they did a pretty good job of that on Saturday. I think it was Buckner's first series. They ran a stutter and go, which is basically you pump fake and throw deep. And I was like, oh, I loved that call. Now, of course, it didn't work because he got drilled in the back and the offensive line didn't <laughs> right. protect for him. But um, And but everything comes, back to, comes yeah. back to point A. <laughs> yeah, I loved the call. You know, they had a couple bootlegs with them. They had that play where you know they ran the wheel route to get Chris Tyree in space. And it's like, oh, We've got to worry about Tyler Buckner and all he can do athletically. Oh, gee, we forgot to cover Chris Tyree, who's one of the fastest players in college football. Oops, our bad. But that's the problem that he presents when he's in the game. And the more you play him, the more teams are going to get the book on him and the more he's going to have to be able to counter that by being able to throw the football in more than just bootlegs and things like that. He's going to have to at some point in time be able to you know, drop back and throw a quick game. He's going to have to be able to do a play-action shot over the top because when he's in the game, teams are going to tighten the box. They're going to get a little closer to the line of scrimmage, and they have to have a package in place to make teams pay for that. I think they can because, you know, look, Tyler was a phenomenal athlete. He um, was one of the country's best lacrosse players until he decided to start focusing on football. He actually committed to Michigan as an eighth grader for lacrosse. <laughs> uh, before he be, before he blew up as a football player and and, and he was a he ran for sixteen hundred yards and twenty eight touchdowns as a junior as a runner. Wow. He also threw for forty forty hundred yards. Jesus. And, and, and and you know and I think it was like he ended up with eighty two touchdowns, twenty six of them were running. So I'm trying to do the math. You know about fifty fifty or so passing touchdowns as well. So he he can throw. It's just that's not necessarily what you need him to do right now. You need him to be a dynamic athlete that can then also keep people respectable enough with his ability to throw the football kind of keep people on their toes basically yeah that's that's right keep them honest and if you can keep them honest then you can continue to be effective with the thing that you are being asked to do right now which is to run the football and be dynamic so let's finally talk about the actual game coming up on 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 saturday yeah (laughs) Uh, a, a game that you'll be able to see on nbc by the way Right. Uh, and of course, you know, here here on WSBT Radio, uh, Purdue comes into town. They're at two and zero. They beat Oregon State in their opener, thirty to twenty one. They shut out UConn last week, forty nine to nothing. Of course, you know, every team I think is going to do that to UConn. Quite they're honestly, awful. Oof, man, they're so if, bad. If there, if if there's a definition of dumpster fire, yeah, it is a picture of the UConn football program. Yeah, it's just that's fair. Awful. That's fair. Awful. So, you know, they come in 2-0. and They beat a Pac-12 team, a team that, you know, decent anyway. How good is Purdue? 
they're improved. This is a solid Purdue team. This is a Purdue team that has some weapons. They've got, you know, some of those young receivers that they've had in past years, like David Bell and Milton Wright and Jackson Anthrop. They're now veterans. And David, I would argue that David Bell's the best receiver Notre Dame is going to face all year. With all due respect mm. to, um, you know, Alex Pierce at uh, Alec Pierce at Cincinnati or Drake London at USC and all the other players are going to face. I think this is the best receiver they're going to face all year. And I think that's helped. Jack Plummer now has some experience. You know, he got he's a young guy. He got three he got three starts last year for Purdue. Of course, the Big Ten had a very shortened season, and Purdue only played played uh, six games. You know, but Jack got some experience last year and some much needed experience last year. And I thought he played well. You know, I mean, passed for over three hundred yards twice, had eight touchdowns in three games against Minnesota, Rutgers, and Purdue. Uh, completed seventy one percent of his passes, and he's picked up where he left off the season ago. He's playing really well. And he's got weapons to work with. Now, losing Xander Horvath, the running back, hurts them. Yeah. But he still has Bell. He still has Wright. He still has Anthrop. Uh, he has a, a t- very, very big 6'6", 250-pound tight end. The issue that Purdue has on offense is the same one Notre Dame has. Their line's not very good. Mm. And that's going to be a big key for the Notre Dame defense is if, if you let Jack Plummer get comfortable in this game, Jake, and you've got – and oh, we didn't even mention that Jeff Brom's one of the best play callers in all of college football. Yeah. If you let Jack Plum, Plummer get comfortable in the pocket and start feeling like he can feel safe in the pocket, you're going to have a – it's going to be a long day. The key is going to be your defensive line, which has been very good so far, is going to have to do what you said has been doing all year, Jim. It's going to have to live in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to have to stake claim to the backfield in this game and not let Jack Plummer get time to throw, not let David Bell get into his routes down the field, not let him get open across the middle. If they can do that, they'll be able to keep this offense in check. If they're not able to get to the quarterback – then I think this could be a an, another high-scoring competitive game. So this, hopefully for the defensive line anyways, the, this is the weekend where they bring in, you know, the, the frame of the house and start putting some bricks up even too. Yes. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Got, Absolutely. Gotcha. Uh, what's up uh, right now at uh, irishbreakdown.com? Give us the goods. Well, I had an article uh that I published a little bit ago. It's my stacking up article, and it's it's kind of one of my my favorite things to do when I'm looking at teams. And it is essentially just how does the Notre Dame offense stack up in the run game against the Purdue defense and the pass game, and then in the just overall scoring. And then I'll have the defensive version of that coming out in a little bit. And then I also have an article that's the lead right now. That's it's my midweek musings, just kind of my random thoughts. And the main article part of the article was, you know, get your shots in on Marcus Freeman now. You know, national yeah. media is like, oh, you know, and all the people that were saying he should be the next head coach a month ago are now saying he's no good and, you know, should go back to Cincinnati and all this. Enjoy that now. Get those licks in now because, as I said before, this defense is very, very close. They're, they've got to clean up some stuff. There's definitely some areas to improve. But there's a foundation here that I'm seeing that if they can eliminate the mistakes, this defense not is not going to improve. It's going to explode. And hopefully it's this weekend. Uh, but that just is dependent upon the things they got to clean up. But I talk about what I like about the defense so far, but then also the things that they got to improve upon if they're going to reach their potential. I think you even said uh, during one of those shows that we did earlier, uh, probably like a learning curve of like three to four games for the defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think so because you're you're implementing a brand new defense with a completely different philosophy. Clark Lee was very much a keep everything in front of you kind of guy. Yeah, this is more of a let's attack and and, and make some big plays and. 
You've got some new guys in different places. They haven't had Jordan Patelho. You lost Maris Luafau, who's expected to be your will linebacker, although I can't say that's really hurt them because J.D. Pertrand's been a monster. Yeah, he has. <laughs> he really has. Uh, He's filled in quite uh, nicely. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, but they're still learning it. And again, he's got to he's got to adjust to them. He look, you don't really know what you have as a coach until you see guys play on Saturdays. You really don't. And now he's got two games under his belt. The staff knows what he wants. He knows his players better. And I think they're going to take off. Now, the growing period I did not think would include giving up thirty plus points per game <laughs> in the first two games. So sure. it hasn't. It, you know, it, it, there are more things to clean up than I than I thought. But they're very close, and, and that's what has me optimistic that this team's going to be able to really get things going all right irish breakdown is the place the lovely and talented brian driscoll by the way (laughs) you got the the second part right uh, (laughs) i'm not sure about the first one well you know but i appreciate it my mom agrees there there we go as long as somebody agrees you know (laughs) if your mom didn't agree then it then it'd almost kind of be sad actually yeah it would uh irishbreakdown.com brian driscoll is the man who uh puts it all up and uh does all the work you know vince is there too but uh, there you go. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. Appreciate you having me on. Yep, absolutely. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.